0: So, Cam, welcome to the show. Excited to have you and uh, excited to hear about Rememory, the platform that you're building. I didn't realize you're still in a dorm, um, which is pretty awesome and inspirational. And before the show, you mentioned that you had been working out of an interesting office. Why don't you tell, start by telling us about that, that first office?
1: Yeah. So, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be on the show. Kind of the share my story, tell you a little bit more about Rememory, what it is, what we plan on doing and where we plan on going. So like most tech companies, you know, uh, they can really be founded out of anywhere. All you need is some Wi-Fi and some friends that know what they're doing. So we started Rememory out of a kind of a cathedral ballroom dance studio, which was one of the weirdest and coolest things that could have happened um, essentially a family friend of ours lent us the office space for a summer and we met there four times a week all day and that's when we really focused on what our mission was what our vision was uh, how to fundraise just kind of the basic learning steps of building a startup and at some points it would get annoying because it would echo non-stop so you'd just be trying to have a zoom call and you'd have to go outside which was pretty funny. But we had a few different events that actually went on in that uh in that ballroom that I'll never forget. Our first big kind of showcase was there. And that's, you know, something I'll never forget.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny they make these huge churches and the acoustics are so bad in them. <laughs> they right? all band and music and in there and big groups of people. But uh what an, what an awesome start. So First, I mean, you've raised capital already, which is extremely impressive for a college student. Um, and and a lot of the listeners of the show are, they're either bootstrap founders or, you know, maybe they've raised a pre-seed or, you know, friends and family round. So can you walk us through the process of how you got that first 220 grand, I think the raise was? Yeah.
1: So it definitely wasn't easy. And yeah. I'm an entrepreneurship major. Um, in college right now. And one of the things that I learned is fundraising can't really be taught. It's something that you kind of need to learn over time, uh, especially from the very beginning stages of building a startup. So it's all about traction at the end of the day. And it's about who you know. So that summer when we had the office, we were just learning kind of just excited. we were building something. But we needed money to do it. We we don't know how to code the app. We need to have someone do that for us. And we can't showcase the app to investors because we don't have, you know. So it's like chicken or the egg. Chicken and egg, one, yeah. of, one of the things that we quickly realized is we need to show that we have value. So as I mentioned earlier, that event that we had at the ballroom, we kind of pitched to our family and friends the whole remembering concept. And we said, if you were to buy a lifetime subscription of this platform right now, you can do it, but you can donate however much you want based on what you think a lifetime subscription is worth. So we put the ball in their court and that night, I think we raised around $8,000 just based on, you know, what people think that their lifetime value would be worth for memory. And that allowed us, yeah, that allowed us to kind of, Get our feet, foot into the door uh, with some different people. Went on some some podcasts, and we made the right connections. And there were a lot of no's before there was one yes. Um, a few checks came in from a family and friends, and then we happened to cross paths with someone who really believed in us. And that, at the end of the day,
0: one yes is all you need. How many no's would you estimate that you got before you got your your big yes? At least at least fifty. Wow. I remember when I raised capital for my first startup. Um, I probably spoke to about twenty-five investors. Mark Cuban was one of them and also Kevin Hart. And I I, I just kind of got lucky that those are two people I crossed paths with, but I needed to speak to way more that was one of the main things i think i messed up was not filling my pipeline enough and not having enough competitive energy on the term sheet to get the deals done um, so kudos to you for for pushing the ball across the line now um you guys are pre-product right or you were pre-product at the time right you didn't have product in hand you're still is able to raise capital you want me through how those conversations went how you justified you know, your experience, how how they would trust in somebody like you who didn't have a tangible thing that you could show them. Right. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. And that's something that was part of the battle of fundraising. It's like, uh, it's like, I don't know how to build a five-star app right now. What do I do? I don't, I don't know if I want to onboard a CTO right now. Um, just because I don't know anyone with those technical capabilities. So what I did is pretty basic. I, um, I built a version on my own, just the user interface where I just went in Adobe XD, YouTubed it, laid out the features and kind of just did a walkthrough. And then I incorporated that into a pitch deck um, and a few other things happened. Like I have, I had a mentor Uh, We were part of an accelerator group that specialized in building MVPs and allowing their customers to raise capital in a competitive environment. Um, So there were a lot of things working towards our favor, as well as I did a lot of interviews with our target audience, which is really adults age 30 to 55, um, and asked them questions about why remembering would be useful to their lives. And they all had very similar answers. And when I pitched that to the investors, they saw what the potential would be for the market we're trying to capture.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it, it sounds kind of similar to, to my journey as well. When we did my first app, we were in a, a Microsoft incubator. And then, um, like, again, you got the ball across the line. I think that's the important part. A lot of us are taking the same steps, going through the same process, but maybe just didn't get enough volume. Maybe just didn't hit it hard enough and maybe, you know, didn't make the clothes quite well enough. But I think it's really impressive that you built a prototype, a working prototype really helps turn your vision into something they can sink their teeth into. Um, So again, that's really a a signal of your entrepreneurial skill because an entrepreneur isn't just the marketer or the sales guys. It's all of that at this stage. So that's, you know, shout out to you and to anyone listening if if you're running into that barrier, you have to break through that barrier. You got to build Adobe XD file or you got to pay somebody to make a prototype for you. So I think that's definitely a a great insight just early in this conversation, but um, I'd love to talk about the platform. So Memory. it's, it's a life logging app. Uh, th- talk to us about how the user experience works.
1: Yeah. So the user experience of Rememory, we, In in our early days, we called it digital scrapbooking, and that turned a lot of people off just because scrapbooking was so early 2000s. So we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, but we wanted to kind of take all of the features that we've proposed and come up with a new term that uh, is kind of trendy and we think will catch on, which is life logging. But essentially what. Rememory does is it's a life-logging platform designed for people to preserve their memories for future generations using their favorite media, such as stories, uh, video, pictures, and audio. So essentially, you think, I, I like to think about my grandparents or my older aunts and uncles who have all physical pictures scattered in attics and old film reels that they don't watch, and they just sit. There's no purpose to them. They pull them out Oh, that's nostalgic for around 10 seconds. And then what? Um, So we're trying to repurpose all that old media and combine it into Rememory through our various features, which I'll get into in a sec. But basically that media will, at the end of the day, create what we call a narrative of life for one person, which is essentially an automated mini documentary of a person's entire life told from their perspective. Um, that's the overarching kind of theme behind remembering. That's how I thought of it is when someone passes away, how do you remember them? And that kind of hit me one day and I thought, well, it's old, old pictures, deactivated social media accounts, things that get passed down, obituaries and fading memories in the head. I can't think of too many other ways that I can remember people that I've lost in my life. And I think that this will be a new. Ethical experience for people to preserve their favorite stories for eternity.
0: Wonderful. You know, uh, I lost my dad in September, um, right before my birthday this past year, and he and I—I I mean, you're quite a bit younger than me—but when you get past the age of about thirty, you really start, or at least I started to connect with my dad in a whole new way because the the competitive father-son dynamic goes away and it moves toward a friendship. But my dad, he was a very present person. He like 350 people showed up to his funeral, but he had like, I don't know, a handful of followers on social media. He just didn't do that. So I actually don't have that many uh, keepsakes of him, unfortunately. And the only way that I can really remember him is by journaling. So I journal all my memories with my dad, but it's not this uh, multimedia kind of AI enhanced experience that you're talking about. And I would love to have had that. Maybe I can even make him one. Um, but it kind of leads me down a, a path of thinking and questions around uh, a platform that I saw recently that allows, they said a few years from now, you'll be able to talk to your past relatives with AI. So you put, mm-hmm. you know, text, video, audio, image format in there, and it'll, you'll, you can actually interact with them in like a deep fake way, like, you know, human interaction. So do you have any vision for integrating AI into this experience beyond the, the, the life documentary? Like what's, what's your vision and thoughts there? Right. Well,
1: first of all, I'm very sorry to hear about your father passing away. I know that must've been very tough. Um, but I'm glad that you have those journals and those memories in your head, because those are going to be very, you know, important to you down the line. Um, But in regards to your question, yes, um, we will be integrating a certain version of AI into our platforms. But even as you said, it's kind of deep fake technology. And that's why I mentioned the term ethical earlier. Um, There's, as with any AI right now, it's all over the news. Um, There's the good and there's the bad. There's the potential for um, this technology to be really good. And enhance relationships with people while they're alive and enhancing, preserving their favorite memories after they pass away. But Rememory is going to take a hard stance on trying to totally and physically recreate someone. And I see examples of AI posting content on social media platforms, you know, after they pass away. in our opinion we're not sure that that's totally ethical because that's data from the past speaking for them in the future and we have a kind of a different take on that one of them being we have this feature called time capsules right so you think of a time capsule like an elementary school class gathers around throws a bunch of mementos into a box 75 years later you dig it up what we decided is we want to take a time capsule and anyone can send media up to 50 years into the future, right? So my grandfather's 82 could wish me a happy 72nd birthday. And I'm not saying that I'm going to get that notification on a cell phone in 50 years, because I definitely won't be. There will be different technologies, different um, ways of living, and our Vision is to be able to convert whatever file that was sent into a new reality into the future. So that's kind of where we want to head with AI. And we want to be the ethical team behind it. And we want to ensure that people's memories, legacies, and stories are told ethically forever.
0: Love that. Yeah, I, I, I will admit I have, uh, I have my gripes with AI. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of just creating a whole new fake reality, essentially. I don't really see any reason to, cause I'm just a nature person, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think, I think it's still going to present some headwinds in a way because, you know, people can have what feels like the real thing. Um, you know, you're going to have to differentiate your product in that way. And, um, I guess maybe you can speak on that a little bit, you know, what do you think is going to make this stand out against, uh, some of the deep fake type of platforms,
1: it all, it all really comes down to ethics. Um, you know, where, where the way that memory is constructed, at least right now, as far as a, an experience goes, it has to do with collecting all your old physical photos, the ones that are important to you, scanning them in. We have AI that converts it from uh, black and white to color. Now you can take those photos and incorporate those into stories. Right? So, our target audience, what we want them to do is go into the Rememory app and they can choose from a b- bunch of different categories, for example, college years, um, raising children. And there's a bunch of questions related to those categories that get people thinking. Now, these questions, one of them could be, you know, uh, how is your prom junior year in high school? Right. And someone older may only have one picture of that, but that picture to them is worth a thousand words. So they go in and they, you know, scan it, tell that story. Now they decide whether they want to post that publicly, privately, or pass it down to the next generation. So it's totally up to the user and the person on how they want to use Rememory. It's not up to the computer. And we want to express that power to our users saying, whatever you want to do, you can do. If you want to have a huge storytelling uh, following where you can, share your story every day your fitness journey your life journey meditation journey every day grow a following you can do that if you want to use remember to you know be private just within your family just post family related content traditions you can do that if you just want to post things on your own and build your own narrative of life you can do that so we're giving all the power to the users it's 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 in a sense where AI will enhance the power to the users in the future, but it won't overtake it. Yeah, I'm
0: definitely a fan of uh, the humans controlling the robots. Yeah, and I think you know, it's, AI is great in a lot of ways. It, it enables a lot of our workflows from reporting to content, drafting, copywriting, all kinds of stuff. And I think as long as the keys stay in the the owner's hands, if you will, um, it's it can be great. Now that it, it reminds me of uh, a gift that I bought my mom after my dad passed. Of course, I I wanted to have something to remember my mom by, and we were going to start video documenting her cooking and things like that. But um, my fiance turned me on to something called uh, Storyworth, and Storyworth sends prompts. you probably heard of the platform, and then yep. you know, it creates those those questions, and she answers them, and eventually it'll put them into a book later. Um, so one, I think that's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about it and pretty excited about Rememory as well. Uh, is is there plans to uh, offer some kind of uh, physical production capability?
1: So that's already uh, in some aspect of where we plan on going. We, at first, we want to get the, we really want to get the older audience acclimated with our user-friendly technology. Um, we understand StoryWorth is also designed for an older audience that just responds to emails. But through our research, the fastest growing Facebook user is adults age 65 and older. So we think that with our strategic tutorial videos and um, kind of chat bots that we'll be able to help the older audience in the best way possible use our tech um, and kind of adapt to it, learn with it and do as much as they want with it. We definitely see the capabilities of having physical products and we have two other phases set up for uh, new technologies that we plan on going into one of them being a physical slash digital uh, product. And all of these are, you know, patent, uh, provisional patent pending right now. So um awesome. can't say too, too much on that, but uh long answer.
0: Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. And um, so you guys are pre-launch right now, right? You, not live on the app stores. So what's the game plan once you guys launch? What do you, how are you thinking about that marketing launch?
1: Yeah. Uh, great question. So right now we're still in development, still kind of going through, figuring everything out. Almost all the features are completed. We have good amount of beta testers uh, going through the platform, checking it out, adding family members, you know, seeing the flow. Uh, reporting bugs. And what we're going to do is a soft launch uh, probably in mid-May where people will do very light marketing. That way people are still kind of giving feedback. And then over the summer, we're going to do a hard launch, have a big party, um, a good amount of influencers there that we've already you know started contacting. And from that point on, we just kind of want to be in the business of families. That's what Rememory is all about, is It is about family. And if we, can, if we can convince one person in a family that this is beneficial, then the whole family is going to join because, you know, at the end of the day, memories aren't just about ourselves. They're about the people that are surrounded by us. So um, we're just going to be marketing kind of to, like I said, adults age uh 30 to 55 that have small children making those wonderful memories as well as capturing the memories of the older audience um the grandparents so there's three generations of storytelling at once that's kind of where we want to be and that's kind of going to be our lingo as we move forward love it
0: so uh you're going to do some influencers. You're going to do a launch party. We already know that was a success for basically the pre-launch. I think that's another kind of actionable takeaway that somebody listening could could do is throw a little party and invite people, hey, contribute what you want. You know, if you want to see this built, I, I love that. And so um, how do you, do you plan to like use the influencer content to, you know, convert it to, you know, uh, boosted content, like let's just say amplifying organic with some paid media? What do what you think i there? there?
1: Um, are you talking as far as like Instagram and Facebook? Are you talking?
0: Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like advertising and just maximizing the reach of that, those influencers. Yeah.
1: Totally. Um, I haven't personally reached out to, you know, many influencers online. I'm just going through my personal connections um, that I've met over the years that are big fans of Rememory and are willing to help. And they have a reach of, over 2.5 million, um, which is is pretty good for a pre-launch app. So we're going to be working with them and their target audience is directly correlated with ours. So um, over over time, you know, we will be going through Facebook ads, Instagram ads, growing in that way. Uh, But we also want to grow on a more personal level through, um, you know, letter marketing, like paper marketing, um, cause that gives the older audience a sense of, you know, something that they enjoy rather
0: than just the email coming through. Yeah, I really kind of appreciate that. I think direct marketing and a lot of the traditional marketing methods are very underrated in my opinion, sending postcards, sending mail, especially when you're talking about an audience who's, you know, let's just say over 30, maybe over 50. Um, I think a lot of people, don't give due credit to direct mail and, and even TV and radio and stuff like there's still a whole group of people who, who really rely on that for, for information. Um, now, one one other area that sounds interesting to me, and you can tell me if it's not, but, you know, maybe going through churches and, and working through the, that physical community, you know, have you, have you thought about how to approach like that? Um, I guess you'd say like the community level.
1: Yep. Uh, so one of our board of advisors actually Kind of pitch that concept to me and I thought that you know that's a great avenue because there's a lot of wonderful wonderful people that have so many beautiful stories especially in no matter what religion um in those communities it's um it's something that's really powerful and people that are committed to to God I think that memory can be something that can help them along their spiritual journey Uh, as far as, you know, this can be used as a journaling service at the end of the day, you can do a a reflection story every night and keep it private to yourself or post it publicly. And that's something that we've definitely, uh, found an interest in.
0: Yeah. I love that. There's a, there's a book by, I think his name is Andrew Chen, uh, called the cold start problem. And he talks about atomic networks and how apps gain velocity. They gain network velocity when. One person knows 10 people, 10 friends on the platform, and then those 10 friends have 90 acquaintances. So it's one, 10, 100. And when you get that mix of an audience on the platform, I have a reason to go see what my 10 friends are up to. But I'm also curious about the novelty of, of their second connections, all the other 100 people in that audience. So I really like that framework for thinking about how to create a community within the app and also... Uh, prompt you to build referrals into it, right? So if, and and this is uh, very inherent in an app like yours, but giving people a reason to invite their friends and family so that they get the most value from the app, meaning they can share with people. They can also see what other people's stories are from that. Um, So I I, I like that framework. Um, I guess that begs the question, can people see other people's journeys or is it restricted to just the family or just who I share it with? It's totally up to the user and you can do that by
1: story. So right now we only have uh, public and private. So essentially this is one of the feedbacks that we got is, you know, right now a user can post a story completely public or they can keep it private. There's no such thing as a private account right now. Um, it's based on the story level. And as far as time capsules go, um, the receiver of the time capsule decides if they want to make it public or private. So like if my, if my best friend sent me a time capsule in 30 years of something funny that we did, I would have the the final say of keeping it public or private. Um, and he could delete the time capsule before it reaches expiration. So it's totally up to the user. And that's a lot of the good feedback that we've been getting as far as it's very easy. Once one person joins and hops on the family plan, they can add four members uh, through email very easily to their family plan.
0: Awesome. Okay. So that takes me to kind of my next question is, how are you planning to monetize it? Are you going to do uh, usage base or subscription base or ad supported? What do you think of that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things that, you know, in that office space in the ballroom that we kind of, Kind of spent a lot of time doing research and figuring out the best possible way to monetize and be fair to our users so that everyone's happy and we came up with this solution uh, there's going to be a free plan you know we want people to test out remember use it give feedback but obviously there will be limitations um, there's a set number of stories that you can tell a month, set number of time capsules you can send and receive, and you can't make a full narrative of life uh, mini documentary. Then that brings me into the individual plan, which is $9.99 a month. And this allows users to basically have almost unlimited access, but they're not part of any family plan and they can't pass down stories to the next generation after they pass away. And then the bread and butter sweet spot is the family plan, which can have five users, unlimited stories, unlimited time capsules, and all narratives of life. You can do uh, what we call transfer stories. So if you, uh, if you and I went to, say, a concert and you were really good at editing and uh, you made a great storytelling post, then instead of us recreating the same night, you could just transfer it to my profile and now that could be included in my life story because I was there. And the family plan costs $19.99 a month, and that's up to five users. So no ads as of now, um, just because we do need to get some revenue in the door. Uh, but over, over time, as we see how users are using the platform and what the lifetime value of a customer is, I'm sure that um, some changes will be made to make everyone happy.
0: Yeah. This is one of my favorite things to study with mobile apps is I get all of the analytics into something like Firebase. I look at who's, and we did this for a language learning app called HeyPal. We looked at how many messages are people sending per month? How many matches are they making? How many translations are they doing? And I, I went to the, the power users were using about 60%. So like, let's just say sending 60 messages a month. And then we capped the, the premium package at 50. So all of the power users would be forced to upgrade by the very nature of them wanting to use the features more. And so we, we, we capped just under the power user level for all of the key features that were people are using. It's, you know, you can translate messages and posts in real time and stuff. And we got like a thousand one hundred signups in our first month, just by limiting the usage, So that's a really interesting case study to me, especially once you have enough users on the platform and you've got data, then you can look at how people are using it. And then you just, you know, bottleneck right at the top of the power users. And those people are obviously engaged. And so they'll pretty naturally sign up. Right. Yeah. It took us a, a, took us a while to
1: figure out because at first we were just going to go free with ads. That doesn't work right from the get go. Um, and then we just wanted to go uh, subscription plan. Well, that with a free trial, um, we don't want to kick people off the platform because eventually, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's using it for free, then they like what they're doing. And eventually they're going to tell someone about it, which may force a conversation of purchasing a family plan.
0: Yeah. Love the strategy. I think you're you're on the right path for sure. Um, cool. So how are you going about building your team? What does your team structure look like? Team structure right now is we are
1: working with a development team based out of India, and there's around seven seven people um, working together to build the Rememory app, mobile, web, and we have you know data dashboard, admin panel sorts, and I've built out a personal advisory board. Um, we have a board of directors with with our lead investor and. Those four advisory board members are huge. They have led me in the right direction. Very well qualified individuals, all um, all in different fields too. So we have tech advisor, legal advisor, and overall company advisor and intellectual property advisor, um, all overseeing me. Um, right now, I guess I'm technically the only one kind of running, well, we're all working together, but within our next funding round, that's when we're going to bring on some more employees and kind of start building a internal company culture to really scale Remember,
0: Got it. Yeah, I like that you've already developed a board. How, how did you go about finding those people and getting them to you know, opt into something like this? Because it's a time commitment on their part to some extent.
1: Right. And they've been absolutely wonderful about time. We have a great schedule and Relationships all around. We do a, not everybody knew each other when we started, um, and we do monthly advisory calls where we kind of lay out what everyone's working on and where to go. But as far as how I found them, one, um, his name's Reza, found him through the university on that, kind of grew a relationship with him over time. He graduated and I saw him reach back out. Um, He owns his own kind of tech company and he was happy to be a CTO. And then the other connections that I've made have been through um, a mutual mentor who unfortunately passed away last year. He led me to two two, uh, superstar uh, business people out of Washington, D.C. that have been supporting me along the way.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I remember when I was doing my first app, I I also tried to find uh, retired executives at health and fitness companies. And it was hard, you know, the pe- people don't just opt in, you'd think like, hey, look, you can, you know, get a little equity beyond the board, but it, that that's definitely something that requires some persistence and pursuit as well. So, so kudos to you on that. Um, that kind of yeah. begs the question for me though, like what, what's the, what's the, what's your why behind building this? What, you know, what what, what's driving you? Like, is there a certain story that kind of like, you know, inspired you to build something that would make lifetime memories last forever?
1: hmm Great question. And it all comes down to a very, very simple story. Um hence the branding will become a lot more uh understandable after the story. But essentially it was a we had a Christmas party a few years back at my aunt's house and we're all exchanging gifts. And my my uh mom opens a present for my grandmother and It's a snow globe with a red cardinal in the middle, uh, our logo. And as soon as my mom opens it, she bursts into tears. And I grabbed the snow globe and I'm like, mom, why are you crying? Like, it's just a snow globe. And there was a tag that was hanging off the side that said, remember me. And in that moment, I just remember thinking like, wow, like my grandma only has so much longer left on this earth, unfortunately but how do you remember someone after they're gone? And that's when that question popped into my head, um, which leads me into my next point that a few months went by at that point. I owned a landscaping business and I was mowing a lawn and I'm a huge Mac Miller guy. At this point, Mac Miller had passed away. And he has a song called remember. It's about one of his best friends that tragically passed away when he was younger. And I'm like, wow, so Mac Miller's gone and his best friend's gone. How, how do we remember both of them? And I, I remember I stopped the lawnmower, I went over to my truck, and I just started writing. And this, this is where Remembrance formed was <laughs> in the parking lot. Uh, but Mac Miller could have a documentary about his life on YouTube in a day. But what about his friend? How do you, how do we remember him? He's a person too. Um, and that just got me thinking about, there needs to be some way, an ethical way that we're able to share our entire life stories after we're gone.
0: I love that. What a story.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's very, it's very, uh, it just fits with the whole branding aspect of remembering that, you know, my grandma always used to tell me cardinals were also our thing. Uh, when I was younger, she'd always say, You know, Cam, a little birdie told me what you did at school. Every and every time I saw a cardinal, I'd be like, Oh, she uh, it's going to say hi to my grandma. It's to the tell spy. her what's
0: up, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but really, it's just my mom. Uh, that's great, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I just find it interesting, especially. I mean, I guess you're a Gen Z, but like. these are our generations millennial and gen z are are really being mindful of of this concept of people passing and i i really love to see uh instead of just completely being focused on the future and i guess like the selfish goals of pursuit and you know i want to get rich and build a company and do all of these things like it's really cool to see that people are channeling that energy to remember the ones who who raised us you know and and who really set that that foundation for us
1: Right. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's um, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard because people, a lot of people have experienced, you know, people passing away along this journey that I've been on and it's hard to recreate someone's image after they're gone. That's where the AI thing kind of just gets to me because I've been doing this for a while and had I've had experiences where people close to me have passed away and it's like only if this were out um, which, which sucks, but at the end of the day, uh, we'll, we'll come up with something to remember everyone eventually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's just, it's just cool to, to know that like these memories will be preserved and, you know, with, with the way that technology is advancing. And I mean, even human life is probably going to become much longer. You know, one of my friends is a futurist estimated he he thinks he's going to live till he's 150 and he's 25 years old. So it's just this whole dynamic is changing, but it's cool to see that it, it just, it, it strikes me as very mindful, right? Like taking a moment of gratitude and appreciation for those who, who have contributed to our life and, and remembering them and, also reminding us how short life is and, and why we shouldn't just be caught up in the rat race all the time, and you know you're you're a, a proponent, you know you're somebody pushing it forward and making sure that we don't just never look back. Uh, you know I think there's so many history lessons of history repeating itself because people just don't reflect very often, and that's become a big meditation of mine lately too. I've I've cut my podcast and audiobook consumption solely in the order of creating space and reflecting. Mm. So maybe, maybe you can tell us about some of your mindfulness practices, you know, as we think about entrepreneurship and how demanding it is, especially for a tech entrepreneur, like what are you doing to stay level headed and sane?
1: Yeah. So I'm a huge uh, proponent of work, life and social balance. I, I believe that there's a space for each of those things. and I'm very um, very scheduled, so I have a, a whiteboard. I tend to like to write things down, even though I'm a tech guy. I think writing things down just it resonates in the brain a lot better. So before I go to bed every night, no matter what I do, I always write out everything that I want to accomplish tomorrow, and I do it from the smallest detail. So the first thing every day is just wake up. So as soon as I wake up, I cross that off. That automatically makes me feel like I'm doing something, but really I'm just waking up. Um, and as the day goes on, you know, check everything off the list and whatever I don't accomplish because nobody's perfect. Um, I leave on the board for the next day and I move that to the top. So that's the priority. And that just keeps me flowing. and keeps me hitting my targets, my goals, and just keeps me moving. And as far as, you know, when things get stressful or anything like that, um, I, I'm i an only child. So even though I love family, I do love my alone time. And I just, uh, I enjoy music. So I'm always listening to music. I'm always bumping. And it, it just kind of relaxes me. Um, even if it's a stressful day, I just like to go for a walk, listen to music, um, make sure whatever I have to do is done the next day. And I would say fine. or two more things. Um, journaling has also been a big part of my uh, experience at the end of most nights. I'm not as good anymore as I should be, but there was a period of a year, you know, when things weren't good with remembering, I was really trying getting the all, you know, more than 50 nos. That's hard. Um, it's uh, it's like, everyone will give you a reason for a no. And sometimes it's, you know, circle back in the corporate world. It will circle back. Okay. <laughs> um, well, We'll see about that. Um, it's just, uh, everyone has a different reason for no, but then when you get one, yes, it's uh, a lot better, but writing down everything. And now I'm reading through it and seeing what was going through my head and what was going on in the world. Cause this started during COVID um, it's cool. And I think that all of this can be incorporated into memory as stories, which that's why I'm starting to do it again. is because I had that kind of aha moment that I can really take what I project on the paper and then bring it back into something that can be preserved and used
0: and repurposed. Yeah, that's such, I mean, that's just a major takeaway for anybody listening. So like when we first closed TikTok as a client, I remember the, the campaign was $200,000 a month in billings from them, but they didn't want to pay us until net 30 days. And we're like, okay, we need to be paid at least a deposit up front. And so we we put all of our money to front the cost of this campaign, which was like $50,000 at the time. And so we basically had $0 to our name and we had to get this campaign delivered, a six-month campaign delivered in one month. And it was a, a user growth campaign for their mobile app. And I I took a video journal of every few days of that experience. So now when I look back on it, it's so riveting to watch. It's crazy, just the things that are going through your head, just to have that, uh, like you said, access to your old dialogue. So I, I really encourage anybody listening to to at least journal once a week. And I, I do as well, and I haven't kept up as good of a habit as I want, but I've probably got you know 10 to 100 journal entries per year for the last few years. And being able to reflect on that, first of all, you you reflect and you learn a lot. But second, like it it adds to this story. And I think rememory mm. can be a tool that helps make it easier for us to journal because <laughs> the the actual act of journaling, the, for whatever reason, it's hard to sit down and do it. I think a lot of people avoid it. No, you know, just speaking from my own experience here. Um, But I, I want to tap into one one more, maybe two more small things before we tie off here. Because um, trying to be respectful of your time, but. One is getting 50 no's before you get to a yes. I think entrepreneurship is a lot like that diagram or that illustration of the guy digging in the mine and he's about to reach yep. a bunch of diamonds. And then there's another guy above him who's turned around right before he reached the diamonds. And entrepreneurship has always felt like that to me where you're, you're digging and digging and digging. And if you end up turning back or changing directions or changing companies, you'll never actually reach the the diamonds and so i think it's really cool that you kept digging until you got through to that i think that's something everybody can learn from
1: mm. yeah i think that's a great it's a great model um that picture does speak a thousand words and i would say there's one thing about entrepreneurship that i don't think is addressed enough is it's pivoting a lot of people that Start businesses and they start with their idea. Some people just get a little too emotionally attached to their version, even though it might not be what the end user wants. And those conversations you should be having with the end user and pivoting towards what they want more than what the original concept was, because that's what's going to sell. And that's something that we've definitely learned along the way. I mean, like I said when I was telling that story earlier about my grandma and Mac Miller, we were really just trying to pitch the funeral homes at the end of the day. That was our first uh, and this is what we journaled um, we were trying to pitch the funeral home saying we want to create something that can be shown you know at a funeral at a celebration of life where people can you know celebrate and it's all in one place and now we've spun that kind of in a 180 being like, no, we want to celebrate these moments while we're alive. And we want to celebrate them with other people in a social way. So talking to your users, talking to your customers is one of the most important things that you can do, at least from my experience starting and um, anyone listening, I just encourage if you know a single person in your target audience, just have a conversation with them. And that can be some of the best feedback you get. It's not always gonna be from the angel investors or VCs that are gonna tell you that there are a hundred other companies doing the same thing as you. Well, no, if you pivot, talk to your customer, find the pain point, then you'll find the diamonds.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think uh, when you're building a software startup, at least from what I recall, building my first fitness app was, um, you get a lot of feedback and it kind of hurts because it's like, well, you might have spent two months developing a feature that is useless to the users. so how how do you go about like filtering that feedback and deciding what's worth implementing and and maybe making a pivot on?
1: Yeah, so I don't think that developing it is worthless. And maybe I haven't gotten to that point yet of user feedback within you know my direct target market. And some of the things that are in development now, you know we have a huge log of everything of what we want to change, improve on and where we want to go in the future but it all needs to be aligned with our vision and at the end of the day we need to make it as user friendly and as accessible as possible to uh, our users no matter what the age group is because like i said we're focusing on three generations of storytelling at once so we're going to be getting feedback from people in college that just want to send time capsules when they're drunk at a party to themselves 20 years into the future It's what a lot of my friends have been using it for. So I know that firsthand, um, as well as asking the moms and the dads, you know, um, how do you want to use this to record videos of your child so that you can take those and transfer them to your child in the future? Now, the entire first part of their life is told by their parents and narrated by their parents. That's one cool. That's one cool ass way to start a documentary. Is, you know, your parents yeah. telling you, your story of how you were raised. Um, that's some wow. feedback we've gotten as well as the older audience, which we need to make sure the photo scanning is easy and implementing that into videos and deciding which channel to post it on public, private transfer, pass down a lot of options, but we, we're, we're funneling everyone's feedback and trying to find the best solution.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a funnel there. You know, when I was reviewing our roadmap, I would weight things by what is the business impact and what is the level of effort. And Mm. scoring every uh, roadmap feature based on level of effort versus business impact. It's a really easy measure to say high, medium, low, and say this is, you know, high and high, like this is or maybe it's low effort or high impact. Okay. That's what we want to work on first. And I, I really loved that framework for, for prioritizing the roadmap.
1: Mm, I um, completely agree.
0: Yeah. So uh, I want to ask one more question before we uh, tie up here and I, you kind of breezed over it, but you said that you had been running a landscaping business and I think that's maybe not the most glamorous business to a tech entrepreneur. Me, my Dad uh, had a remodeling company for a long time, and I did remodeling with him, and I really cherished those experiences because I, I studied under one of his friends. As I was, I was a mentee, and he was a business owner, and he he taught me a lot of the fundamentals of of just running a business. And I think that, like, my my question was like, you're so young, like, how do you have this kind of mature understanding of of business and just this stance in life? And I'm, I'm sure that that experience running a landscaping business before had some kind of impact. Can you talk about like how, how did that impact how you look at business and how you look at life? Like what, what was the fruit from that experience?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, I've remember is not my first business. I've actually, it's actually my fourth. So I started a landscaping company when I was 15, I couldn't even drive. So my dad would, <laughs> my dad wanted to teach me a lesson and I understand that now. And I appreciate that so much. And I don't think I tell him that enough, but he drove me around. I had a few customers, helped me get the lawnmower off, mow the lawn, call them when I'm done. And it was a great learning experience because I would have to interact with the customer, fulfill their needs and, you know, be on time. um, Be on basically just be responsible. Um, at a young age and then over time i grew that into having 30 lawn mowing customers uh wow. in one summer and that was just myself i didn't hire anyone and i was totally uh self-sufficient with that and then that led me into my well one of my passions alongside landscaping was you can kind of see it right here um some of you may know what those are but um, I'm a big sneakerhead, so I used to go to sneaker conventions all over Massachusetts. I'd flip shoes, and I just got a good sense of, you know, e-commerce and stuff like that, which led me into uh, my third business, which was a Amazon FBA store called Conitro Insights. Me and my college roommate started it our freshman year of college, so that's where I learned all the logistics of incorporation taxes um all the kind of you know stuff that goes along with actually legally owning a business and we ran that um we decided at one point you know when i started really working on rememory, that we were gonna um end that and pursue our other dreams um still best friends to this day uh so it worked out but all three of those experiences i would say combined into one You know, as far as tech, resale, understanding what something is worth. And I would say customer relations are the three main things I learned from
0: all of those businesses. Yeah. Couldn't agree more with you. I think a lot of people look at any entrepreneur when he makes his debut, he gets the Forbes headline, he gets a 30 under 30 list. They see that snapshot. And I even saw that snapshot with you. This guy raised over $200,000 for this tech startup. He's in college. He's a fascinating person. But the truth is, is that overnight success is over 10 years old. It started when you were 15 or, you know, I'm not sure exactly how old you are. But the the, the key point here is that all, all of the context, experiences, knowledge, and professionalism that we develop in these formative years of, of youth and, in the, and the manhood are what? make us into an overnight success and you accumulate, it's just like a chart, you know, a financial chart where there's an accumulation phase. And as the bulls and the bears fight, you know, as the knowledge, the wins and the losses are, are converging, eventually all of that comes together at one point and then rocket ships up. And that's, that's really when you see the overnight success. And I think it's, I I always want to give due credit to the, to the experiences that built who you are today, because like like you, I've I've started countless businesses at this point. I've been working for myself for 15 plus years now. And 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 that's really where we should put our focus and learning from people is what did they do up until the point that they had the win, not what happened at the win, because the win is basically just a snapshot in time. It doesn't account yeah. for all the nodes that came along the way and all the business crashes and all the times inventory and demand were not balanced and we couldn't you know, meet the business needs. So I just, I'm, I'm really fascinated by that part. And um, I, I think that's why you're, you're experiencing the success that you're experiencing now is because all of this learning and investment in yourself really is converged and then it becomes exponential.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And that's one thing that I do enjoy talking about um, more that I don't think a lot of other people necessarily like to shine on is I like to talk about the losses um, because if you can't lose, then you know you'll never come back a winner.
0: Love that. Yeah, I mean, look, life is a, a game of contrasts, and and the wins only feel as good as the losses hurt. No. So yep. Exactly. You got to give due credit to those losses, and you know, I, I that's why I highlighted the um not that the the landscaping business was a loss, but because it's not as glamorous of a story to tell. It's not something that. Forbes is going to highlight, but really that's the formative experience where you became the professional customer-centric entrepreneur that you are today. So, yep. yeah, I think that's a good exactly. place to, to tie this off, Cam. It's been, been awesome chatting with you, um, wishing you a lot of success on your journey. I'm here as a resource. I have a lot of experience launching apps. If you ever want to just ask me for ideas or resources um, for making that happen, happy to share whatever I've got um, to help you out. But Let's uh, let's tie this off by asking how the how the Zen Business Community can support you better. Is it joining your waitlist for Rememory? Is it contributing to a crowdfunding campaign? What what can we do to help you?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me on here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Zen Business Community, the best way to help me out and Rememory out right now is going to our website at www.rememory.com and just clicking that join waitlist button. So you'll be added to all of our inf- upcoming information, um, You know, all the good information about soft launch, hard launch. If you're in the Massachusetts area, uh, definitely reach out to me. The launch party is something that we've been looking forward to a, in a, for a long time. So, um, you know, happy to help. Uh, if anyone has any questions out there, feel, feel free to reach out because uh, you're not alone. Just wanted you to know that
0: love that yeah entrepreneurship can be pretty lonely so cam thank you so much for coming on it's been awesome talking to you i'm excited to follow your journey we'll see you soon
1: thanks so much